Well, good evening. I know that this morning I told you that we would be picking up in Revelation chapter number 18. Well, I've wrestled with that all evening. Uh, I had my plans. I was stubborn, and I was going to keep right on. I'm, I'm Revelation 18, verses 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. That's what we're going to do. And I just couldn't find peace in that moment. I had another passage that has been on my mind as well all week long uh, and have been praying through that particular passage. And um, that's where we're going to go tonight. And so I would ask you to take your copy of the Scriptures and open it to the book of Philippians. And I would like to read to you, um, beginning in verse number 4 of Philippians chapter 4. This is one of my favorite passages in Paul's writings. I, I know I tend to say that a lot, but there are a lot of things Paul writes that I like uh, uh, a lot. But if you would, I, I would ask you to stand for the reading of God's Word. Um, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever's pure, Whatever's lovely, whatever's commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. You may be seated. Let's pray. Father God, you are our peace. You are Jehovah Shalom. And I pray, Father, that we who have peace with you through the blood of Jesus, through the new covenant, that, Lord, you would help us to walk in that peace practically in our day-to-day -day life. Father, we, we need you to help us to make this so. Lord, plant within our heart the will to walk. In Philippians 4, verses 4 
through 9, Lord. May it be so. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. It's kind of ironic when I think about it. Um, I've been wrestling with, uh, wrestling, excuse me, my southern coming out, wrestle, wrestling with um, which text of Scripture to go to tonight. And for me, that creates a certain level of anxiety. Um, I, I, because I like to know, you know. I don't, I'm, I'm not one of these guys that just likes to just stand up and shoot from the hip. That, I, to me, that you can be... I mean, there are times and seasons for that. But, you know, you want to spend time with the Lord and, and letting the Lord speak to you and studying His Scripture, studying to show yourself approved. And when you feel that God is directing you to another passage that you are also meditating on and thinking through and you get there and you don't know which one and it wasn't until I was sitting in the church council meeting. That'll make you anxious, you know. That I knew this is where I had to go. And how ironic that is that in something that's creating anxiety in me, the Lord is leading me to a passage that, well, it talks about peace and dealing with anxiety. Um, how ironic that is. Um, Really, it is the stability and structural integrity of the mind that we're concerned with tonight in this passage. Because we are only stable and at rest in direct proportion to the degree at which our minds are at peace. Um, because the mind being at peace, that's... It's a big deal. I mean, the mind is, is, it is a war zone. This is where spiritual battles are, are won and are lost. This is where Satan introduced fiery darts of, of thoughts. This is where we interject our own thoughts. This is where we wrestle and try to figure things out. And our minds are where this great battle takes place. And our minds are where all peace is robbed. Yet it is also our minds. That God desires for us to know peace. It's kind of paradoxical if you think about it. A war zone being at peace at the same time that battles rage on within. But in this particular passage, one of the things that is is to me very neat about this passage is that Paul, when he gets to chapter 4, he's been talking about a lot of great theological things through the book of Philippians, but when he gets to chapter 4, he really begins to um, break down things in a very practical, pastoral way. Because he... He knows. If anyone knows what it is for circumstances to rob your peace, it's this man named Paul who was struck down but not destroyed. It's this man named Paul that had been run out of town, out of town. It's this man named Paul that had been thrown in jail. It's this man named Paul. If anybody knew what it was to be at battle to try and have peace in the midst of Great circumstances. 
He knew how important it was and he wanted God's people to be able to walk and rest and be at peace in the midst of their circumstances. So he, under the direction of the Holy Spirit, pins a very practical, pastoral passage of Scripture right here. Right here, he's, he's giving us, think of it like this, directions for <laughs> installing a firewall around your mind to help keep out the peace-robbing things, okay? From keeping them out from, from dominating. Yeah, you know what, a, what I mean by a firewall, don't you? I mean, if you have a computer, um, it's good to have a firewall installed, keep out viruses and protect from worms and ransomware and all kinds of things. Well, um, I want us to look at these firewalls, so to speak, that Paul is introducing us to, to install in our minds, to help, uh, help our mind in the anxiety of life's battles, to help us to be at peace when it's so hard. Do you hear me? It's hard. For the Christian to walk and rest in peace. I'm not talking about the peace you have with God. I'm talking about the peace within and the practical situations in which you find. It's war. You can't be lackadaisical and be at peace. It's a fight. And right here are weapons of our warfare. In Philippians chapter number 4. Because if we, if we practice these things, and Paul tells us to practice these things. I mean, note verse 7. What does he tell us? He says, and the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Note verse 9. What does he say? Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Verse 7 and verse 9 give us a sure word of God. A promise. Do you hear me? A promise to be fulfilled. But it is a conditional promise. It is laid out on the conditions. It is based on the conditions that are laid out in the immediate verses. Conditions that begin to be laid out in verse 4 and permeate this passage. So let's, let's think about this what what are these beginning in verse 4 following the logic of the text paul is telling us that we need to be praising we need to be about praising the lord this is the first firewall if you will we need to install a, a wall of praise Again, in verse 4, what does he say? He says, rejoice in the Lord always. You hear that? Rejoice in the Lord always. And because that is not our tendency. I mean, that sounds real spiritual. Rejoice in the Lord always. But we don't always want to rejoice. So he kind of tells us again, (laughs) rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say... Rejoice. Rejoice. Be glad. 
be glad or have joyful praise. Now that's interesting that that verse that where he's telling us to rejoice in the Lord that is in the Greek that is present tense that is active voice that is imperative mood in other words it means go on and go on and keep on and keep on always be going on in praise to the Lord not just one time go on no matter what you remember Paul's writing this I can think of one time that Paul was in prison with Silas, you know it, book of Acts. What did they do? They sit around and, and, and talk about all the what ifs we don't get out of here. Did they talk about, because see, the jail they were in was not a jail like you go down here to the county jail. The jail they were in probably had human feces lying on the ground. It was probably full of a stench that you cannot imagine. Their health was in danger. They, what, did they sit around and talk about did they, No, that was not their focus. Paul sets the example. He says, what you've learned in me, what you've seen in me, what did Paul do? Paul and Silas praised God. In the midst of horrific conditions... They praised God. Now, if they hadn't have praised God, do you think the jailer would have got saved like he did? No. But they praised God. They praised God because there was power in that praise or power in the God to whom they praise. You see... It's not really a problem when you know the one in whom you praise. While circumstances may change, while people may change, while problems and predicaments may change, Yahweh is the one who declares, I am the Lord who changes not. And because God is always and is always committed to His covenant child, that's why people like Paul and Silas could keep on praising God in the midst of being in a Roman prison cell. Wow. So praise God. You may not feel like it, but praise God. Matter of fact, you may feel disconnected from the very praise that you're offering God, but praise God. When you're driving down the road and you're all alone, praise God. When you're out on a jog or a walk, praise God. And even when you're in a crowded room and nobody even knows the thoughts that are tormenting your mind, praise God in your heart. Praise Him. It'll ambush the enemy of your peace. Praise Him. But Paul doesn't stop there. Paul, I would have, if I had been, I would have picked up in verse 5 and 7, but Paul doesn't do that. He interjects something that at first glance seems sort of out of place when you consider the very context of everything that he's saying. But he interjects verse 5. 
Listen to verse 5. He says, just after he says, rejoice in the Lord always again, I will say rejoice. And in verse 5 he says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. What's that got to do with the context of peace and dealing with anxiety that robs peace? What, what, let your reasonableness be known to all. Well, the word reasonableness or moderation or gentleness or a gentle or gracious spirit, the idea behind that original word that is being conveyed is one of, of being patient with others around you. Now, is this not a revelation to some of us? Okay. Um, Our own lack of peace of mind may be connected to our lack of patience with others sometimes. That's not always the case. But it's important to be paid. We taught, remember, Wednesday night we talked about how, our, how, how we relate to others is very important to our prayer life. When we looked at that, that passage in, in 1 Peter, well, th- this is sort of similar here. Um, the way that we are reacting and dealing with others is sometimes important to our own spiritual well-being. Okay? How we are reacting horizontally has an effect on our relationship with the Lord vertically. We see this over and over and over and over again in Scripture. Do you know anybody that tries your patience? I'm looking at a few. No, I'm kidding. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Do you know anybody? Our sin nature wants to voice itself with such. We must be patient with those, especially those who are in the trap of the devil and their, their thinking is warped. You know, our flesh says sometimes that when they're aggravating us, let's just unload on them and retaliate. But that is not what we need to do. The Spirit says be patient. After all, I mean, the fruit of the Spirit is patience. Okay. Um, but you see that in Jesus' life. You see that being emulated in Jesus' life. Jesus going to the cross. <laughs> Think about it. Some of the very people he came to save hurled insults at him, but he did not fight back. And I can assure you that as he was going to the cross, he was at peace even as he faced the agony and the pain of the cross. For it was for the joy set before him that he endured the cross. Scorning its shame, writes the writer of Hebrews. So what do we see so far? We see if we want the peace that he's talking about, Paul tells us to practice these things. What are the things he's telling us to practice and do immediately around this? Well, he's telling us to, to praise the Lord And I said that we're looking at this like installing a firewall. So installing a a wall of praise, we're we're looking at installing what? Secondly, a wall of patience and being patient with others, that is. Now, the third thing is where I would have picked up. I would have never addressed this issue Paul does. But then again, I'm, I'm not the Lord and the Lord knew what we needed to hear. All right. I would have immediately picked up with what he's telling us in verse number Five, six, and seven. Listen to these words. So very practical here. Uh, he says, 
Um, I mean, clearly, all the word is practical. Let me, let me clarify that. All the word, even the things that seem un, like they're not practical in, in the book of, of Numbers, even things that, even genealogies have spiritual practicality behind it. But what I mean is, this is so obviously practical that anybody ought to be able to follow it. You follow what I'm saying? Okay. Listen to what, what he says. He says, he says, the, the Lord is at hand. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and, you do that, and, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. In other words, it does not make sense, the peace, the peace of God. You ought to be freaking out. Okay, but that makes sense. It's beyond understanding. The peace of God, beyond understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Wow. That's profound. In the midst of great trouble, in the midst of peace robbing turmoil, in the midst of a war that would make General Patton, shake in anxiety, remember these three things that he tells us in those verses that I just read. Immediately just read, okay? What do we do? Need to remember that uh, the Lord is near. The Lord is at hand. Okay. There is an eschatological sense of that the Lord is at hand, his coming, his return in that, that phraseology. But it's more than that. The Lord is near. The Lord is at hand. You need to remember, in the midst of the things that want to rob you of your peace, when God wants you to be at peace, you need to remember that the God who is peace is right here with you. You need to remember that neither height nor depth, neither angel nor demon, nor anything in the past or the future will be able to separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You need to remember that in the midst of your circumstances, in the midst of your situation, you need to remember that the Lord is faithful to His promise and He says, I will never leave you nor will I forsake you. You need to remember in the moments that you are about to crumble under unbelief and anxiety and other all kinds of peace robbing things that you face. You need to remember that the Lord has said that he, to his people, he has said the Lord is faithful even when we are faithless. He said that. I wouldn't have said that. I want to slap you, you unbelieving people but no the lord says i'm still i'm committed i i'm committed to you i got my end of the covenant i'm committed to you wow wow so the lord is near then right after he reminds us that we're to recall that the lord is near he tells them to exercise the privilege of prayer. What does he say? I say it again. 
He says, don't be anxious about anything, but... In other words, rather than being anxious about these things, in everything, by prayer and supplication, present your request to God. Now, we're not just talking about any request here, because listen here, the context is this. The things over here that are wanting to make you anxious, it is these very things that you need to present your request to God about and address the Lord over these things and talk about these things things. Don't be quiet about these things. Let the Lord know exactly. This is not for you to inform God, but it is for you to present them to God. And God has the, has the means of making his name great and glorifying his name in the midst of your anxieties. Interesting. Exercise the privilege of prayer. I like what Martin Luther said. Luther said, pray about everything and let God worry about it. Think about that. Okay? That's not being disrespectful. That's bold faith. Okay? Wow. So pray about everything. Then, he says, what does he say? What does the text say? The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With, can't leave this out, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Thanksgiving. In other words, be thankful in the midst of your praying. You see, this is the blessing of knowing you have an absolutely sovereign God. Because in the midst of your anxieties, it, 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 you know that you can be thankful to the Lord because there's nothing going on outside of His providential control. When you are a new covenant child of God, you cannot escape the providence of the Lord. You can't. Now, sometimes you can make some bad decisions and bad choices. And all that does for the new covenant child of God is put them on a detour. But guess what? God is still working you back around to his plan and purpose. You cannot escape the ultimate plan and purpose. Okay, you may have got off on a dirt road path, but guess what? It, and it may take you longer to go to Atlanta on the dirt road than it would to get out there on, on 72 or, or the interstate or whatever way you're going. But you're still going to get there when you're a new covenant child of God. You hear me? And sometimes it's our own lack of trust and our own unbelief that put us on the dirt road path. Okay? You remember Israel? Hey, God's purpose, go to promised land. That's where they were going. But instead they decided to have a 40-year vacation out in the desert. Why? Because of their unbelief. Because they, 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 they said, but, 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 but we can't. But the, those, those giants are too strong for us. And they just sat down 
and wandered around for 40 years. Wow. It is so spiritually important that you, child of God, walk with confidence in God. Hear me. There's nothing you face too big for God. There's nothing beyond His outstretched hand. We are our own biggest enemy when it comes to following the prescription that the Lord has given us here. Be thankful. I tell you, a few years ago, in 2018, when I was working at Northwest Shoals Community College, that was, that was my means of insurance. That was the provision for my family. And I thought, this, is, this, this will work out for right now, bivocational pastoring, pastor you guys for forever how long the Lord wants me to, and that will take care of those insurance things and some of those other things. I thought, this is, this is a good, smooth ride. And then overnight, shoo, gone. Now, Satan knows how to hit me. I got that news about 8 o'clock one morning. I could not go tell Angie immediately. I know how my dad felt when uh, they sort of forced him to retire because he, his voice, because of his cancer, his voice was not as strong as it was what it basically boiled down to, which ended up being a good thing. Couldn't see that at the time for my dad. That's, that's a different story. I can tell you about that. It just shows the providence of God and bad things, okay? But dad waited about three days before he told mom about that. But I, I, I couldn't go immediately. I, I finally, I rode around for about, I don't know, four or five hours. Just, guys, you're talking about a 40-something-year-old man on the side of the road bawling in tears. And what am I going to do? I mean, that's my son's senior year. What, how, I have responsibilities. What am I going to do? Well, I started doing the only thing I know to do, which is pray. Lord, you got to help me. I'm going to tell you something. God let me wrestle with some awful pain, some awful anxiety, some awful stuff for several days of praying and praying and praying and praying. And we, I think it went on a week or two of just praying and praying and praying and praying. And one day I was walking across the living room and I was praying. And I can remember saying under my breath, God, help me. And I looked down on the floor, a little piece, little white sheet of paper caught my eye, and I picked it up, and it was something Jacob had dropped. It was his writing on it, and it said, Isaiah 41, 13. I thought I knew what that said, but I thought, let me go, go, go look it up. So I, I grabbed my Bible, and I began to turn to 
Isaiah 41. I remember I just cried out to the Lord, help me. Okay, been, been crying out for days in and days out. And I said, Lord, help me. Isaiah 41, 13. Hmm, let's see what this says. You talk about writing on the wall. This struck me. And guys, I'm, I want you to I dropped to my knees in tears, prostrate on the floor and worshiping my God because it, I, when I read these words, it was like I could hear God speak. He said, for I am the Lord your God. I hold you your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not. I am the one who helps you. Okay. Ah, you're talking about a ton of bricks off of me. So I knew that the Lord was going to help me. I knew it. Now that did not mean everything was rosy all of a sudden. Because I thought I was going to, I mean, I was applying for jobs here and there. And I just knew that God was going to let me work and, and do chaplain work and hospice work and I tried to, to get my foot in the door here and there, and doors kept being slammed, and I would get, start to feel a little anxious, but I would remind myself. I'd go back and I'd read that verse. Even though I knew it said, I'd go back and read that verse every, every, as often as I could. I, I had it written on things. I had it here. I had it there. I had it everywhere. And I would remind myself and preach that to myself. And, and then, um, finally... Uh, I saw that I called up uh, the clinical manager there, uh, Crystal Holt, at Emeticis. I said, Crystal, because I had talked with him earlier. They didn't, they didn't have enough patients to hire another full-time chaplain. So I said, uh, where are you all at? She said, well, we're, we're needing another chaplain. I don't know if it's full-time, part-time, what it's going to be. Um, we're needing another chaplain. Excuse me. I called Crystal up. She said, I'm no longer the director. I'm now a clinical manager. Let me let you speak with the, the director. And it was the director that was telling me this. So I interviewed. And I talked with them folks. And I got good friends with Corey Cochran, who actually preached a revival service here, if you remember, a few years ago. And I thought, this, my foot's in the door. This is, just, this is sure in. I get a call. This, you know, this interviewing process takes place in April. I get a call the end of May. Uh, we're sorry, but uh, we've gone a different direction. Now, this shocked that office staff. They thought to themselves, what in the world is Linda doing? This, this does not make sense. Now, I, I sense kind of know why they did what they did, but that's okay. So I'm thinking, okay, God, what am I going to do? Anxiety starting to creep back up. I'm having to preach this verse to myself over and over and over and over again. I uh, was sitting at the dining room table and got a phone call. I saw it was Linda Mitchell. That's the director. I thought, what she want? <laughs> So I answered it. She said, you still interested in a job? I said, yeah. What you got? Full-time chaplain? The other chaplain that was there left. Quit. You see, it was just a matter of waiting on God. 
I think sometimes God likes to see how are we going to respond in the midst of what we're dealing with. But guys, I, I promise you, if you'll remember the Lord is near, if you will pray about the things that are making you anxious, if you will seek Him, He's faithful. If you'll be thankful, He's, he's faithful. Okay? He's faithful. He will do what it is ever necessary to help his child rest. And get this, until that rest comes, guess what? God's at work. And God works for those who trust him, but God's at work in you. God's accomplishing things in you. There are things taking place in the spirit realm and the heavenlies, sanctifying things that you can't even begin to imagine. Things that are killing stuff in you, preparing you for your tomorrow. Things that are actually strengthening you, though you may feel weak now. Strengthening you for what lies ahead. Wow. Wow. So pray. But not only are we to praise, not only are we to be patient with others, not only are we to pray, but we also need to have pure thoughts. Now, what do I mean by that? I, I know when I say that, you immediately think that I'm talking about make sure you're not having wrong sexual thoughts in your mind. <laughs> that's not what I mean by that. Though you, that, that's true, <laughs> okay? That's not what I mean by that. I mean by what Paul means by this here, okay? In Philippians chapter 4, this is what Paul says in verse 8. He says, finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Not the things that are causing you anxiety, okay? Think about these things. What you've learned, received, and heard, and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Verse 8 gets twisted and corrupted, and I know I've, I've spoken about how it gets twisted and corrupted before, but I have to remind you that verse 8 is not a poster child for the power of positive thinking. Some of you guys probably have copies of Norman Vincent Peale's books in your home, but all Peale does is a good job of wrapping New Age positivism up in Western Christian evangelical lingo. If you got it, chunk it. But maybe you don't want to. Well, don't chunk it. Maybe you're reading it so that you can understand what he's writing so that you can help others to get sucked into that. That's fine. But if you're going to eat up what he's saying, just it's, I'm telling you that's, that power is not in positive thinking. Okay? And this is not about positive thinking. Alright? This is about thinking about something that I can assure you is God-centered, Christ-centered. What is it? Now I want you to think about it. He says, he says, think about whatever's True, 
whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's commendable, if there's any excellence of anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What? Well, I can only think of one thing that is true. God's Word. Okay? Um, and I can only think of one person that is true. would be Christ. Okay? I can only think of one who is honorable, one who is only who's excellent, one who is worthy of praise. Would be God. These are to be God-centered, Christ-centered thoughts. Remember the things that He said. Go to the Word. Remember the covenant promises that you have. Think about things like this passage and many, 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 many others. Think on them. Those kinds of things. Wow. So, in conclusion tonight, I would simply remind you of these words again. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for your equipping word. Lord, I pray for your people tonight that you would strengthen them in the riches of your word. And Lord, I pray for anyone that ever hears this, whether it's having been in here or whether it's through a podcast platform, I pray, Father, that anyone that hears this word that does not first have peace with you, God, that you would awaken them to peace that is only found in the blood of the cross. And Lord, I pray that you will be glorified and, 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 and exalted in the midst of our lives. Help us, Lord, to follow these realities, these truths. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. I'm going to ask everyone to stand to their feet.